Stuff Podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Wright and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This episode's story is called The Sins of the Father by Kelly Dennett, who joins me now. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Firstly, The Sins of the Father, tell us what your story's about. This is a story about an inexplicable murder of a mother by her only son and some of the really unusual events leading up to her death, including her relationship with a priest at her local church. So how did you first come across it? So I had read some snippets of the reporting of the murder trial and some comments around how much the son had loved his mother had sort of piqued my interest, obviously, being a murder trial. So I ended up requesting the police case file, so the documents relating to the investigation of this woman's murder, And when the police file arrived, uh, I was really interested by the contents because they told a whole other story that the trial hadn't really delved into. We'll hear about the story soon, but first, so you requested the file. What what was it about what you found? Were you surprised? I was very surprised. I mean, a lot of the time you request a police case file and it's sort of filled with very dry detail about their investigations. But this one, it was like you know, watching a a movie unfold in front of you, really. It just told this really, really sad story from start to finish. And I knew sort of straight away that I had to write something. Thanks, Kelly. And now here is Kelly reading her story, The Sins of the Father. The cross Matej Marinovich wears around his neck was given to him by his mother and is not to be mistaken for devotion. Maybe I believe in a god, but I don't believe in the church, he says. My didda, I can still hear him. Mate, you don't have to go to the church to be a good person. Now those were prophetic words for an 11-year-old. Wherever I go, I say to everybody, may your God go with you. We all have a God, whatever it may be, but somebody keeps an eye on you. I believe that because when my sister died suddenly, I thought, if I didn't have some belief, I might have fallen into a hole. Around midnight on February 7th, 2019, Marinovich was woken by a policeman tapping on his window. A few minutes earlier, his nephew, Martin Marinovich, had called police from a nearby train station and confessed to killing his mother, Matej's sister. Martin directed investigators to her body at the cottage they shared next door to Matej in West Auckland. Police found Nolene Marinovich's body on the floor, with BBC blaring in the background. A trembling Martin told police that he had strangled her, and then hit her with a hammer. I snapped, he told officers. I didn't mean to. I love my mum. As far as Matej Marinovich is concerned, the justice system is a feckless administration. After Martin was found guilty of murder, he was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 14 years. 
At the sentencing, Mate wanted to read a victim impact statement that in parts blamed the Catholic Church for its role in the deterioration of his sister Nolene's life. He was barred from delving too deeply into this, and when Justice Tracy Walker rose to leave court, Mate stood up too, and swore. He knows he could have been charged with contempt, but he's proud he took a stand. The father should be in jail, Mate said, not Martin. He got away with it. In early 1991, Nolene Marinovich was 32 and living at home with Mate and her parents when she fell pregnant to a Capuchin friar, a Dutch priest working out of Henderson Holy Cross Parish. Martin de Lu was 36 and priest of the Irish province of the Capuchin Order of Friars who were serving in the Henderson Parish in the Auckland Diocese. Deleu was ordained by the Auckland Bishop, Dennis Brown, in 1982. Mate isn't sure how Deleu crossed Nolene's path. Both families were well known within the church community. However, the Marinovich family's local parish was Glen Eden, not Henderson. But Nolene had significant mental health issues, and the family understood Deleu was counselling her. Mate thinks after a car accident as a teenager, Nolene wasn't the same again. He says she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. By the time Martin Deleu started calling at the Marinovich family home, Mate thinks Nolene was very unwell. She had been in institutions and had strange episodes at home. One night, she locked everyone out of the house before fleeing into the black. Mate recalls Delu coming to the family home late at night or early in the morning, disavowing his brown robes and sash, and taking Nolene out to Piha. Mate was suspicious. He had an opinion of himself, Mate says. He was quite strong-minded. So was I. Nearly 30 years on from the events, Mate is still living in his family's home, long after his parents died. The Marinoviches have had the acreage for more than 100 years. So it was like two bulls locking horns, Mate says, of his encounters with Delu. I said, I know what you're up to. I'm not stupid. Mum and Dad... Well, I think being of the older generation, they believed priests were good people. That's probably what was instilled to us as children. But I'm always sceptical. After Nolene fell pregnant, there was talk of Delu committing to her, of finding a home together. Mate recalls lists. There were all these things she was supposed to do. They were going to get married. In the end, while his name went on the birth certificate, Deleu abandoned Nolene and the son that would be named after him, Martin Marinovich. The impact of her having Martin and not having a father of her child, Mate says, that weighed very heavily on her for the rest of her life.
you can't imagine how horrible it is to take the stand and be treated like you're the one in the wrong. Coming soon from Stuff. Especially in a sexual crime situation. From Bird of Paradise for Stuff, this is Tell Me About It. Going behind the scenes of our journalism to the voices of real people whose stories make the news. You're just so out of control of it. You know, I felt like a ghost of the system a lot of the time. It's like, no, why can no one actually see who I am? With me, Kirsty Johnston, Michelle Duff, and our producer, Noelle McCarthy. Can I ask you a question that might seem quite basic? Has it all been worth it? From a justice point of view, I would still struggle to say that right now, but it's still raw. Tell Me About It was made possible by New Zealand On Air. Subscribe and review us, please, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dust everywhere and cobwebs. The day after Nolene's murder, Detective Anna Fager was in charge of the scene of the crime. She meticulously noted everything that was inside Nolene and Martin's cottage, a small, weatherboard home with an iron roof they had lived in for Martin's 27 years. Multiple friends and family would tell police the home was filthy. Crap everywhere, one recalled. Stacks on stacks. Mould covered the walls and dust settled on everything. Spiderwebs proliferated. The toilet was broken and unable to afford a plumber on Nolan's benefit, Martin had installed a chemical toilet that he emptied regularly. Much would be made of this in court, the chemical toilet akin to adding another pickup stick to a precarious tower. But Mate thinks it wasn't the big deal everyone says it was. Shelves contained photos, ornaments, and loving cards Nolene and Martin had written each other for birthdays and Christmases. There were unused DVDs, a DVD player, and a PlayStation gathering dust. Drawers in the dining room housed tinned fruit and vegetables. The pantry contained 55 pasta packets and the usual oil, condiments, and dried stocks. On top of a cane chair were six bags of Cocoa Pops. A canvas painting on the wall had brilliant coloured spatters, some so red ESR had tested them for blood. Negative. There were lots of cleaning products, but, Detective Fager noted, the kitchen was slick with grease. Marte recalled Martin was particularly paranoid about his hands, He frequently wiped door handles and opened them with his feet. Martin's bedroom contained two boxes with Nolene written on the side. One contained court documents, Fager noted, solicitor's documents regarding a claim by Nolene Marinovich against the Catholic Church and Father Martin. It was agreed by everyone who talked to the police that Martin and Nolene lived a reclusive life, with Martin essentially doting on his mother. Neither worked. Together they hid, in the cottage her family had built them, not long after Martin's birth in 1991. Martin's life wasn't easy. 
He paid the bills, fetched their groceries, and dyed his mum's hair. He helped her when she fell and visited her in hospital as recently as the week before her death. He alerted her friends when she wasn't well. By all accounts, they had a loving relationship. Martin was gentle and wouldn't hurt a fly, people told police. He loved Nolene. For her part, Nolene boasted about her Martin. He was studying law, she proudly told the few friends who visited. In reality, Martin had abandoned his law degree two years in. I am such a failure, he told a police staffer in the early hours of that morning, while holding his head in his hands. Mate had suspected Martin wasn't really studying. He was home too often, but Nolene insisted he was attending classes online. Neighbours often saw Martin walking the rural roads around Oratea, but he never waved back and often appeared to be in his own world. The court was later told he had autism. Nolene's good friend, Janet Daniel, told police she worried about Martin. He took on so much for his mother. When people visited, they noted Martin was often asleep or in his room, and the extent of the tension witnessed was Nolene asking Martin to turn the TV down and him refusing. Neighbours claimed they heard screaming between the pair at night. It's just hard to understand what happened, Nolene's sister told police. Nolene spent some of her pregnancy at the Carrington Mental Health Institution, Mate says. After Martin was born, Mate took on the role of father figure, bringing Martin into his bed to feed him a bottle. The whole family rallied around. After the cottage was built for Nolene and Martin, Mate's mother used to clean it regularly. Mate took out the rubbish. All the while, Mate helped Nolene seek redress from Delu and the church. Mate says he had meetings over cups of tea with lawyers for both sides. A former lawyer who acted for Nolene told me he wouldn't discuss the case. Mate recalls former Auckland Bishop Dennis Brown and current Bishop Patrick Dunn being involved. Mate says a few thousand dollars was offered for Martin's schooling. The church wanted him to attend a Catholic school, Mate says, but he refused. A spokesperson for the Auckland Diocese said the diocese offered free education for Martin at a Catholic secondary school, but that Nolene had declined. The Capuchin Order contributed to Martin's fees. The church said it was substantial. Mate disputes that. The church said the contribution was, quote, until he was 18 in terms of the child support provision of income support. Mate recalls Delu never saw his child, but Delu's mother met Martin Jr. three months after his birth, and then never again. Mate thinks financial problems contributed to both Nolene and Martin's downward spiral. He also believes the church wiped its hands clean of the situation, despite Nolene's obvious vulnerability and the inappropriateness of the relationship. Friends who gave statements to police characterised the relationship as an affair. Mate concedes Nolene probably loved Delu. 
Whether his parents encouraged him to stay in the church, Mate says, or he didn't feel like he could leave the order, or he didn't have the guts, I don't know, but it's not the kind of thing that I would do if I was in that position. If I was a priest, I would make sure somebody was seated on the other side of the table, and I would talk, and they would talk, and that would be it. That's your job. There's a boundary. You pull the shutters down, and that's how it is. In the parable, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus divides bread loaves and fish to give to those who could least afford them. And yet when mum and dad went to Rome, Mate says, the beggars were just around the corner. You'd think they'd at least have some money to give to them, but no. Keep the people poor, keep them subservient, and then you amass the wheat. In times gone by, there's stuff to feed yourself. For his sins, Martin Deleu was recalled to Ireland, where records appear to show that the year Martin was born, Deleu served in a curatorial role at a friary near Dublin. It's understood a television journalist visited Deleu there after Nolene chose to go public with her story. Auckland Diocese spokesperson Lindsay Freer said Deleu, being a member of the Capuchin Order, was, quote, their responsibility. This all happened nearly 30 years ago, Freer said in a statement. In the early days of the church becoming aware of incidents of abuse or inappropriate behaviour. Procedures were being put in place then to respond appropriately to offer victim support, to censure offenders and to ensure the care and safety of the community. These protocols and procedures have been regularly revised and updated in the intervening years. Freer said parishioners were devastated by Deleu's behaviour and had worked diligently to support both families. She said Auckland Bishop Patrick Dunn met with both families and continued to meet with Nolene regularly until 2001. Deleu's brother told Stuff his brother hadn't been in the priesthood for many, many years. It's understood he's living in Canada and may be married. He didn't respond to requests for comment, and neither did Martin Marinovich's lawyer. The Henderson Holy Cross Parish is much larger now, and the original building has been extended. The current priest told staff he wasn't aware of the events that started there decades earlier. Mate says life has gone on, but he remains very, very bitter about the justice system. The night of Nolene's death, he'd visited her and Martin for a dinner of flounder and eggs. Mate was the only one who ate. Martin didn't seem himself, Mate thinks. He had a look on his face. Like the devil had got him, Mate says. It looked like he'd had a massive breakdown, I reckon. Speaking to a police officer after Martin's arrest, he was told Martin was doing okay. Mate was incredulous. Of course he's not okay. Now, he says, there's a bit of light at the cottage. A single handyman lives there, and Mate likes having him on the property. Nolene's belongings are gone. Mate's own home carries old photographs of his family on the walls. He has an active role in his community, but he lives alone. He plans to visit his nephew in prison soon. I had a wonderful family life, he says, 
But now I feel, well, I suppose it's my winter of discontentment. I used to have family here, now I don't. Something happened that night, and now it's over. That was The Sins of the Father on the long read from Stuff, written and read by Kelly Dennett and produced by me, Michael Wright. This episode was mixed by Jack Price. Stuff's podcast director is Adam Dudding. If you listened via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on the Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening.